What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson, and Dan is sitting this week out because I was able to set up an interview with my buddy Mark Donnells from Yacht Rock Review. Mark has had a really amazing career in the music industry, playing with a lot of original artists, uh, a lot of which you've probably heard of before, uh, and is currently playing uh, guitar in uh, the Atlanta-based band Yacht Rock Review, who are just crushing it right now. Um, Had a really good time catching up with him and having him correct me every time I tried to tell a story and was wrong. So I will go ahead and turn it over to the interview. Hope you guys have a great week. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast. Uh, I've got a very special guest this week. Uh, We've been alluding to it for a couple of weeks now, but we finally got our schedules lined up. Uh, He is a uh, guitar player, engineer, producer, who has played with a lot of interesting groups and is currently on the road with a band called Yacht Rock Review based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Donnells. Good afternoon from an overcast Kirkwood here in the ATL. Yes, Kirkwood is uh, what they call a trolley suburb of uh, Atlanta. Yes, and its uh, property values are going up, much to my glee. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm north of town, but we are in very much the same boat. Oh, yeah. How you been, man? Doing very well. Um, just trying to stay busy, as I see you are as well. Indeed. So... Our story goes back quite a few years mm-hmm. into my pre-professional musician days. So right. Mark's career has taken him all over the place. Uh, and where our stories intersect, I had just, I, I was still in college and he had gotten a gig with a, a guy named Butch Walker and he had just released his first solo record after mm-hmm. the disillusionment of his uh, last band, The Marvelous Three. And I waited in line at a blockbuster music, which is a very old sentence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so yeah, there's so much in there that's anachronistic that uh, yeah. you can't even put it into words. So yeah, I waited in line and got this uh, this moron's autograph uh, <laughs> many many years ago. Yep. And then actually, we didn't intersect. We didn't run into each other again until you had left that group. And you were doing a cover project, is that correct? I don't remember. Or was it was it at? It's probably at the Ten High. I was because yeah. after the after I left after the Butch thing ended, that was the longest period I ever went without playing in a band. It was like six months or something, I think. Because I had, the year before that, I was touring with a band called Brand New Immortals, which yes. included uh, Johnny Colt, who played with you know Black Crows, Train, most recently Leonard Skinnerd, um, a guy named Rest David. In peace. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think he kind of until they go out. back on tour. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I think bands like that. It's a lot of these bands that say they're not going to do tours anymore. That might be the case, but I'm still, you know, I'm sure they'll still do shows. Yeah. Um, now that six month period though was a pretty interesting time for you out in L.A. Though, wasn't it? No, because that was well, I was still doing some stuff out there as well. Um, I, a friend of mine named Brian Tishy who's an amazing drummer who's played with everyone from, geez, Whitesnake to Billy Idol to uh, Foreigner. The list kind of goes on and on. We had a – he had called me up. It's interesting because he saw me – we were very good friends at Berkeley College of Music. We went there in the late 80s. Uh, I think he stayed there to about the early 90s. And we kind of kept in touch a little bit, but he actually – he had this band called Ball that was on Time Bomb Records. Um, Mm -hmm. 
that another uh it was a subsidiary i think it was of uh geez i can't remember you know greg lee would know because his band was actually on the same label at the same time so uh yes you can look it up if you're if anyone's interested my i'm just blanking right now but greg lee is is uh <laughs> one of mark's bandmates yes, in a yacht rock review a long time long time bandmate good guy. long time uh uh <laughs> friendly adversary <laughs> yeah i would yeah <laughs> i would agree there anyway um but he saw Brand New Immortals did a thing on – there was a show on HBO called Reverb, which was really an amazing music show. Loved that show. Uh, and, and the one thing I noticed about it is all the bands sounded great. Like every – all the mixes were really, really good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he, he happened to see we played a show, kind of interesting enough, uh, enough September 9th. 2001 in New York. Whoa. Uh, two day, and we left, we left a day before all that stuff went down. But um, – the show was broadcast and he saw that and he was kind of reminded it was like oh yeah man I'm, i need a, an extra guitar player for this project so he called me up and so when i was touring with butch i was going back and forth um between that and in la doing stuff um with with this band called ball mm-hmm. i think later became mirror down or bleed defeat we changed names a few times <laughs> we got all the way to auditioning for the president of capital in like a private uh, showcase at SIR there in Hollywood, and it yeah. just didn't happen. So, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> I see. Now, there was, a, there was a period of time where you were kind of out and about and you were doing auditions though, right? Yeah, I mean, that previous to that, in fact, the, right before I got the brand new Nor- uh, Immortals gig, I got a call from a guy named Danny Loner, who was at that point the guitarist bassist for Nine Inch Nails. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows anything about me, there was a period, and I still am to a certain degree, I was absolutely obsessed with nine inch nails. Like I, there was a time where I was literally sending their management and this is an interesting, this might be an interesting thing to pass on to people who are trying to get gigs, you know, being persistent without being annoying, but I would send them packages and call the management company. And I think it just got to a certain point where finally there's like, let's just call this guy and give him a shot. And now what was interesting is this was 2001. This was after downward spiral and all Mm -hmm. that. Um, and he was kind of, I mean, he's been open with it. He was kind of in a very dark period at that time. He wasn't, um, I think he was kind of using pretty hard and it it was a really good audition. I went in there they flew me down to New Orleans. I went to the studio. I played along with a bunch of tracks and it went really, really well. And I, there were two other guys auditioning and they wouldn't tell me who they were. So I have a feeling it was some pretty big names, but afterwards danny called me and said hey man i'm not going to say anything but you were in there twice as long as any other guys so i was so excited but he ain't never ended up touring yeah i did have another chance to audition for him a couple years later but it just wasn't the same vibe and uh, that didn't happen but uh just saw them a couple weeks ago at uh, the fox and they were phenomenal yeah absolutely and robin fink who's an atlanta guy is kind of the guitar player and that is his gig yes. so it's it's probably worked out for the best he also had that little stint in guns and roses didn't he well, it wasn't a little stint. <laughs> it was a pretty big stint, actually. <laughs> it was about longer than Slash's whole tenure until he came back. Yeah, and he 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 pretty much had a the uh, the rare opportunity of working on probably one of the most expensive uh, records ever made. I don't but, think it's probably. I think that one will go down was, in history. Yeah. I know Trent was a little. Uh, he was a little miffed because he said something to the effect of. And I want to don't want to don't want to be telling lies out of school here. Yeah. Um, that he said like, oh, if he wants to go play with that redheaded redneck, screw him. So, <laughs> but they've they obviously patched up and everything is yeah. uh, wonderful in, in Nine Inch Nails land. Well, and you had, uh, there were a couple other bands that you had auditioned for though, right? 
Yeah, yeah the Chili Peppers yeah. back in bef- this is before Dave uh, Navarro joined. That's insane. Um, uh, Marilyn Manson, who yeah. I also was really into. That was another one where I was kind of on the short list, and then I ended up being on the short bus. <laughs> um, and then Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Nice. Uh, which there's a whole other story, and maybe we'll tell of another time. The mm. one fingered stairway to heaven solo. Uh, uh, I've seen, that. I've seen it, I've seen it yeah. done. Um, yeah, that pretty much cost me the gig. <laughs> well, my friend Brian Tissue, who we mentioned before, was actually played on the drums. He played drums on the record that Kenny was touring at that point. Yeah, and we were, you know, the edition was going pretty well. He was like, "Hey, Danelle's, do the uh, one fingered stairway to heaven solo." Which, for those of you who haven't heard it, it's really awful. It's fantastic. It's it's the funniest thing of all time. And uh, and you can do I it. Think- you at home can do it too. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a uh, you know pay uh, pay lesson so you can yeah. look on uh, YouTube or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I did that, and I think Kenny was just kind of freaked out by that, and he was just like, "I don't." I'm just you know he was. I think he was getting sober. Yeah, and he was just like, "I just don't need this lunatic in my band." That's fair. I think we've all said that at one point or another about. Oh you. yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, you know, and uh, there was that again. There was that six month period, and maybe the first time I saw you again, a friend of mine, Jeff Gardner started a band called union drag mm-hmm. uh and that was like kind of the first my foray back into playing again it was po- i call that the post mohawk <laughs> yes <laughs> years that he so. was that was that was mark's signature look there for a minute yeah yeah a little bit but uh, once i saw one of the guys in uh like in sync he was on an award show with a mohawk that day i was like nope it's over game over yep totally so the um the the place that he's referencing is a is a a bar in Atlanta called Ten High, which is not really a bar as much as it's a basement that they've converted it's into a, a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, below this place called the Dark Horse, and a guy in our scene had gone up to New York uh, to Arlene's Grocery, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's actually kind of weird. it was it was uh, Greg Lee, his wife Nicole Jerovics, who ah, was yes. a she was she managed a lot of really great bands and still still is involved in the doing entertainment and stuff like that to this day. She, yeah, Arlene's Grocery was kind of the birth of the, uh, met, or I want to say live band karaoke. Yeah. As far as I know. Yeah. They, they did a, I think they refer, they, they marketed it as heavy metal karaoke. Right. Um, but, uh, she brought that back and a couple guys got together and started this whole thing. And initially it was like, it was a dead concept on a dead night downtown right so it was on monday nights that they would do yeah. this and um which is a lot of for, it's a lot of for a lot of it's a lot of industry people which yeah. i think was kind of the first um they were the kind of the first adopters of it so to speak yes and outside of industry people uh people without jobs like myself <laughs> and myself who had just you know i had moved back from nashville and was just trying to find a place that like where i would fit in and right. uh went down there one night signed up Sang the song, saying the first the the first song I ever sang there was I believe in a thing called Love by the Darkness, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, this is my tribe, and mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. And um, you had stepped in after one of the guys had left. Yeah, there was uh, Curtis and I, who was Curtis Clark, who kind of um, kind of spearheaded the whole metalsome thing mm-hmm. after a time. He and I were in a band for a number of years called the Blacklight Poster Boys. That did, you know, fairly well for a, for a local band that you know kind of never made it out of Atlanta. Um, we, you know, we actually drew some people. It was it was a fun. Had some good songs, and he called me. Well, let me think how this works. I think 
before I was also toured with this uh, amazing singer named Angie Aparo. Yes. Who some of you might remember. He had a hit on the big 99X back in the day called Spaceship. And he also co-wrote, or no, co-wrote, he wrote the song Cry that was made a big hit by Faith Hill along with a lot of other, a lot of other Nashville-based artists. Yeah. But I had, uh, I invited, I we needed a front of house guy and Curtis was as great a musician as he is. He's also a really good sound man. Uh, so we brought him out on um, this little tour we were doing. I think it was around 05-ish, maybe. Mm -hmm. So he was running front of house and and all that. And he was doing the metal thing at the time. But, you know, they I guess one of the guitar players, that's so why I kind of filled in. I didn't play every show, but I kind of filled in here and there uh, for a couple of years. And, and you know, it, it became this kind of interesting, you know, rotating cast of characters. Right. And it was just, it was kind of, you know, it became... Atlanta's version of what you know at at the time Metal Shop, which then became Still Panther, was oh totally where you totally. would show up and you had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, some kid in a leather jacket would go up there and do a you know some crazy performance, and then some you know rando would you know botch a Billy Idol <laughs> song, and then Matt Sorum from Guns and Roses would show up and you know right. it was just one of those kind of really unique, special kind of times in uh, in it, the Atlanta music scene. And therein lies the beauty of karaoke. I mean, it can be, you only have to listen to one song at a time. So if it's terrible, that it's kind of enjoyable for that. Yeah. If it's great, it's enjoyable for that. So Yeah, it, it was just one of those kind of really neat things that grew this really kind of organic um, community. Like, right. you know, there were regulars and, um, you know, you kind of got to build a persona if you wanted to, and it was just one of those one of those really neat things that at, at the time it was a great way to get reestablished and meet people, uh, network wise in the music scene. Very much so, because again, like we were saying, it was a lot of musicians and just industry people, so it was kind of a, it could it turned into somewhat of a networking scene as well. Yeah, that I mean, again, I the things that I can't unsee from nights there at like four in the morning, just, you know, not just the nonsense, just sheer nonsense. Oh yeah. But it was one of those moments where, you know, you and I kind of, not, I, we didn't necessarily build a friendship, but there was like a, a rapport there. And I, it was the first time I'd ever kind of had one of those full circle moments where I was like, I waited in line to get this guy's autograph. And now like, <laughs> now I, I can look him in the eye and we're like equals. Now I'm watching him get drunk and get up and sing a uh, whole lot of Rosie as a Japanese businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of Greg Lee's favorite moments, by the way. Those were some good ones. My, that really happened. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have seen. Yeah, I've seen some very unique <laughs> takes uh, yeah. from you. There was the the one performance you you did of Jump, where you had the computer singing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh that was fun. Yeah, that was actually uh, Chris Cox, who is a frequent songwriting partner and band member of mine. Uh, he was having his first kid at the. I think it was during. 500 songs for kids yep. and uh we were supposed to do jump by van halen so i just kind of did like a uh really surrealistic kind of minimalistic like um electronic version i had all my friends on stage just looking at their cell phones <laughs> just it was very meta and very uh you know i don't know what my message was but damn it i was angry very co high concept that's something and for yeah. those of you listening at home uh chris cox uh, is the alter ego of uh, Floyd Rose, who was the lead singer of Convoy, uh, one of the other groups that uh, I, I also play in. So there you go. It's all. See, look, it's so insane. It's a really small world, man. It's only getting yeah. smaller. Mm. But yeah, so um, outs once you know the thing about Metalsome is that it it, it was kind of like this rotating cast. So people would come in, and then people right. would come out. 
And um, there was a period where you had kind of stopped. You weren't necessarily playing there all the time. You were kind of playing every once in a while, kind of subbing, basically. Yeah, and um, that's accurate. And um, ran into you at uh, your uh, your guitar store, the guitar store that you helped mm. um, kind of run at the time. And you had started playing with a group called Yacht Rock Review. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about how that whole process came to be? Know. I really thought that was going to take off. I thought it was actually going to, you know, but, you know, a couple shows and it just, <laughs> just seemed to disappear. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one. I mean, it really was everything with timing and just, it's, it's, it's just the perfect, how can I describe it? I think, you know, of course we started the 10 high and I think that, you know, as, as rough as some of those gigs could have been, I think much like many bands have had, when you can find a, a house gig yeah. where you can play regularly, even if it's for a month or two, that is really a good way to build up a following because people know where to go see mm-hmm. you. You can kind of experiment and you can, I mean, believe me, we experimented <laughs> a lot in that first year yeah. and most of it <laughs> involved a lot of alcohol. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it just, I think we just hit it the right, we got the right combination of personalities, which is always very important and which is you know it's it's the same basically the same core group of guys you know 11 tonight is our 11 year anniversary at yeah. the uh i don't know when this is going to broadcast but it, it's yeah not. it'll be this week okay well anyway so you missed it already so tough no. uh we'll be playing like 500 more times in the next few weeks yeah that's fine so um yeah it'll be 11 years that we first started i think our first gig was in end of 2007 and, um, you know, it just, it just kind of keeps going on and on. So going back to the beginning of it, the, the, the birth of the band was kind of the, the outpouring of an original group. Again, you know, the one thing I, I just want to stress as far as, um, you know, this, this whole cover band scene and that kind of thing right. is the fact that, you know, w- we almost all came from original music. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. For one, for one reason or another. And, you know, you had gotten to do, you know, you had gotten to a level where you had gotten to do things that other, you know, other guys, you know, never get to do. Right. You got to, you, you were in Skid Row for like a whole week. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah, two not weeks. many people. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. I, uh, that was that. And I mean, you know, the whole hair metal thing, I kind of, I once don't say I grew out of, but Skid Row was one band that I always kind of kept up with and always followed just because I felt they, they kind of had a little more of a punk rock attitude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Slade with the Grind to this day is still a really, really great rock record. Yeah, absolutely. But that was it. But, you know, and well, speaking of meeting people, the reason I got the gig is because I met Rachel Bolin, who is the, you know, the longtime bassist songwriter. Um, at Meddlesome and that's, yep. and he just called me out of the blue and said, Hey, snake, uh, can't do snake. The original guitar player, one of the original guitar players, uh, can't do a few shows. Can you sub? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let me think about it. No, I did it immediately. <laughs> it was a blast. Yeah. Snake was one of, uh, I'm sorry. Rachel was one of those guys that, um, you, you weren't sure if you would run into him or not. He was down there quite a bit. Oh, he was down there. And, and um, he's also just like a super, super down to earth, super funny guy. He's really great. Yeah. yeah just so, but, but kind of going back to that. So, you know, the, um, the, I guess the nucleus of the band, um, Yacht Rock Review, the band is, uh, the guys from uh, a group called YOU. Correct. And they had managed to, um, Talk Ten High into giving them what Thursday nights? I think it was. Well, original. I think the original original thing was Greg Lee was doing these rock fight things. Yeah, I believe the first one was like Hollow Notes and In Excess, maybe. Like, I, mm-hmm. and he had this night, and he gathered people that he knew 
to do this. And then it, it, that's kind of the, the very, very earliest Genesis of the whole thing. I was, I don't think I was involved in the first couple, but I think the first one I did was we did like, you know, Fleetwood Mac versus Tom Petty. That -hmm. was really fun. And then we, you know, we kind of, we did Zeppelin versus who, which we still do to this day. And that's, and, um, we did Dark Side of the Moon when we synced it up with uh, Wizard of Oz. And, you know, it was cool. It was great. It, it didn't necessarily draw a whole lot. Um, and then I think one night, you know, just out of just as a goof, we decided to say, hey, let's try this soft rock dentist office thing. And um, that, that first night we played, it was packed. Yeah. And um, it, it it kind of became it was it was one of those things that it grew organically. There was a word of mouth. Yeah. There was like a, you know, there was kind of like a a, a buzz to it. And um, yeah, no one was, by the time that like I you know I had come become aware of it, it was a it was a fairly big deal. Like those nights were selling out. Yeah, the nights and, that um, weren't though. There, you know, I mean, people think that immediately it's like, oh man, these guys. It took you know it, the first gig was really popular. And the yep. next couple of ones when we do them, then when we did them week by week, yeah, they would kind of go up and down. But by the you know the end of the four years we did it, it was pretty much you know just slammed every time we did it. Yeah. And uh, the, the way that I got kind of plugged into it is I was I was over at um, the store, and I was like, "Hey man, are they looking for subs?" And you're like, "Yeah, man, I'll, I'll give you a, a list about some some stuff to play." And I was like, right. "No, no, no, like you know, I think I could I could do this as a vocalist." Yeah. He's like, "Oh, okay." So let me talk to some people. So um, I got a call maybe a week later and, you know, got called down to the 10 high. And my audition (laughs) (laughs) was like three songs in front of, you know, a a packed house. Right. And um, I did that for basically, and I was, I was doing those on and off until the, uh, the residency ended. Right. Um, And at that point, you know, from a business standpoint, can you kind of explain the, the mechanics of that and how you kind of had to stop doing the show? Well, the, I don't think we, I think we just felt it, it had served its purpose. Um, and, uh, we were just getting, we were getting too many other, in fact, we created an entire secondary band who was awesome. The, the yacht rock schooner, because we were getting these private gigs that were, you know, we were starting to fly more to town. We were getting more, um, into that kind of world and we'd have to miss Thursdays and we wanted to keep the night and keep it, keep the momentum going. So we had those guys kind of fill in. So that's really what happens. We just started expanding. We figured if we wanted to go to the next level, we had to kind of start playing bigger places. I think the first kind of big ticketed thing that we did was at the variety playhouse, uh, back in, I can't remember, was it nine or 10 or I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was our first holiday special that we sold out. And we were like, holy crap, you know, we just sold 1,100 tickets to watch this, this, uh, this, uh, this silliness, you know, spectacle, yeah, spectacle. And th- that was kind of the, 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 the point around it was that, you know, the, the buzz had grown so much. And you guys, I mean, you basically created a genre of cover band that didn't exist. Yeah. There were some before, other, there were some other bands doing it. And we, you know, truth be told, we got the name idea. And I, I had honestly never heard the term yacht rock. Cobb mm-hmm. was pretty, he was pretty adamant about calling it that. And I'm glad because I originally wanted to call it, let's call it AM gold, you know, yeah. but I, which I don't think would have resonated, you know, in the zeitgeist of, uh, this particular genre or, you know, yeah. so, um, it, um, we, I think we were the first to kind of take it to the next level because there were a couple other bands doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then you guys also, <laughs> you did a, a pretty um, bold and smart move, and you actually trademarked oh, yeah. the word, as the a term Yacht Rock as, as a, a performing music musical act right. in now, the U.S. You can't, like, you can say... And you can't use it to, to as a, yeah, you can say like, you know, spinning, I actually, I don't even know what the, I'm not even get to the legalities. I'm not sure, but yeah. we have had to send some cease and desists out. In fact, one of the bigger cease and desists we had to do was for, there was a uh, guy out in uh, California who wanted to put on a yacht rock tour. This is all with like legitimate yacht rock artists, like, you know, yeah. Uh, Christopher Cross, guys like that, and we actually had to give them a cease and desist, and they had they ended up calling it Sail Rock, as opposed oh, to Yacht no. Rock. But they, you know, they had to because you know, it, and it wasn't anything. Uh, we weren't trying to be an antagonistic or anything. It's just it's our brand at this point. Yeah, I mean, you do have to do. it. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why you know people go to those lengths to oh, secure yeah. those kinds of things because you know there's value in that name now. Oh yeah, and you guys Definitely. have shown that it it's it's a concept that have has legs. I don't think anybody. You know, myself included, would you know, could have imagined. No, none of us would. It, it wasn't. There was nothing. They, oh, this is gonna. I mean, you told us that, you know, uh, eleven years ago that we'd still be doing it, and it and it has shown zero sign of slowing down in eleven years. Yeah. We, th- we thought you were nuts, especially Nick, who really was kind of the, um, you know, because he was like the real hipster. He's the youngest guy in the band, and yeah, he probably he, certain aspects of the yacht rock thing he got, but some of it, it was like you know, he really kind of missed it when he was growing up. Because he was a generation, you know, younger than I am. Yeah, and Nick is one of the uh, one of the vocalists in yes. the group, and Nick um, Johnny. Which you know, you have to. You, I think the first thing you have to do if you join the Please Rock organization is learn how to pronounce his name. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was definitely one of the things <laughs> that I I took you know great pride in being able to say it. You know, right. Um, but there was a great story. There's there's been a couple of of really awesome um, stories about you guys. And the moment where it kind of clicked for him, um, and I think it, we've all been through this thing where you know you're playing other people's music, right? And even you know when when you as a professional musician were playing quote unquote original music, you were playing other people's songs. Like you still had to learn them, like yeah, you would have I mean, learned I had my, any other song. I actually had my original band stuff, but more most of the bands I was playing with that had a you know a draw was was yeah. If you're you're look, if you're a side guy, it doesn't matter who you're playing with. If you're not writing the music, you're in a cover band, basically. I mean, yep. it really, it really kind of boils down to that. And, you know, it, it not really, but yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And the story goes that you guys were doing, um, I think it was the Home Depot gig out in uh, Vegas. Yeah. So that's a, it's kind of been like a standard thing that you guys do every year. And yeah, we, one we, of the, we haven't in the last, it's kind of, that's kind of run its course, but it was a great gig. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were out in Vegas and um you guys went to go see Ringo Starr his, yep. and his all-star band. Correct. And I think if I'm not mistaken I still th- Steve Lukather is still in that group at the moment, he, is that is, correct? I think he is kind of the I think he's kind of the um MD. He's he's been with them probably the most consistently cuz he it, Ringo regularly changes who he's who else is in the band, but I think Steve right. Lukather has been the one consistent member through it most of the incarnations, if not all. Gotcha. So they they went out to go see Ringo and his All Star Band, and they're going. You know, the show's going through its thing, and halfway through the set, he hears this goon, 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 and all of a sudden they start playing Africa. 
And the moment that he realized that even a freaking beetle yeah. has to play Toto. The quote was, I think, well, he played, yeah, he played, I think they did Africa and Rosanna. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, yeah, he left the thing. I think it's right when, when we left the, uh, the gig, he's like, oh my God. Ringo has to play Africa and Rosanna too. And he was in the freaking Beatles. <laughs> That's amazing. But th- 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 it's just a nice reminder to everybody out there slugging it out that, you know, you know, you might feel like you're compromising yourself as an artist, but if, you know, the guy who's saying Octopus's Garden is doing yeah. it, there is, there's no shame in the game. Yeah. And it all depends on how you, the, the, the way you... You know, I mean, there's there's tons of crappy cover bands. There's tons of crappy original bands. It's yep. And I think with us, since we're not a a, a artist specific uh, tribute act, mm-hmm. we're more of a genre. So we have, and plus we go so far out of the yacht rock genre. It drives the the guys who originally started the the yacht rock web series, the one that came out in like the early two thousands, early mid two thousands. The if you, it's still up there, channel one one. Yep. It drives them nuts when we like we totally like you know go off course go off course. There's a little nautical term for you. Uh-huh. When, you know we play stuff like you know Blue Oyster Cult or stuff that's more yeah. classic rock, um, or even some of the '80s stuff uh, than than what would be considered traditional yacht rock. But at sure. this point, we just you know what it's it's crowd pleasing, baby. And yep. the other thing we get to do, we get to kind of go off. You know, it's like I there's certain things that we learn note for note, and there's other things that we can so. I mean, I will say that we probably improvise and put our own personality into our shows more so than a lot of like huge arena bands. I mean, they're playing to attract. They're basically playing the same exact thing every night. Yeah, they might have you know they might have a solo or something. So you know, we very rarely play to it. If we do play to a track, it's just for like sound effects for like Michael Jackson or something like that. Sure. But for the most part, all our vocals are live. All the instruments are live. I've got seven guys in the band. We can cover a lot of ground. Yeah. But being that we don't, we're not on a, you know, we're not uh, locked to a click or anything, we can kind of go off. And sometimes that works really well. Sometimes it's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that is fun about seeing you guys is that you you don't know how it's going to go. No. Um, and, and because there is such an improvisational component to yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell, or at least I can tell, you know, who's having a good night, who's having a bad night. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not sure, I just go to David's blog and I'll find out. Yeah, exactly. He'll, uh, <laughs> David, our sax player, multi-instrumentalist, he usually breaks it down. I remember the first time we started playing songs like Peg by Steely Dan, which is essentially mm-hmm. a jazz blues uh, with some pretty complicated chords. And I was just, I would, at the end of the thing, uh, at the, you know, at the end, when we got done playing, I would look at the crowd like, ha ha, you just danced to jazz. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Um. And it, you know, I guess another thing that some people might be curious about is, you know, and in we don't have to get into numbers, or whatever. But like, this is like your career now is yacht rock. We are a a very significant American small business. Yes. Uh, we have, you know, we have not just us. Uh, we have, you know, two full time crew guys. We have a whole separate other band. We have. Uh, people working in the office full time that, you know, deal with our online presence and bookings and stuff like that. So it's, it is very much a career. We have health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> How many musicians can say that? And that's, that is absolutely unbelievable. So I feel very fortunate. And the other thing to look at when I was in uh, a side guy or I was doing major stuff with major labels, I was always at the mercy of either the artist or at the late, 
to, to a label where it's like, you got to tour this many dates to, you know, it's, you got to, we're kind of going to dictate your career to a certain extent, especially if you're a newer artist. Yeah. With this, we are pretty much completely in control of our own, um, career. Uh, yeah. So, and the, the, the other great thing is because we have a secondary band, let's say if you have a, you've got to a wedding or maybe you have to take a, the family, whatever, you can generally get a sub to cover you for, you know, most other gigs, which is also a very rare thing. Yeah. I mean, that was my job basically. Um, for two years I was, you know, if somebody was sick or had a, another event, you know, I would jump in, um, from a guitar, you know, the guitar parts are pretty much uniform, but the thing about being a vocalist was, you know, each of these bands do similar songs, but they do them differently. So, you know, I de- generally had to learn every song four different ways. Right. Well, um, in learning different harm, that's the hardest part was that's one thing I, it would be nice if we could, but it's, it's hard to do to kind of standardize. Yeah. That. The harmonies, because that's the, a lot of these songs have three, sometimes four part harmonies and you got to kind of rework it, uh, depending on right. who's subbing. So I, I filled in for Pete, I filled in for Ganesh, I filled in for Kevin and like just all of the different, like each iteration of the band had just a different way of doing stuff. It was, you know, from a musical standpoint, it was probably the most challenging gig I've ever done. But, you know, there were also in moments it was, you know, the silliest and, you know, one of the most fun things I've ever done too. So, I mean, it's a, you know, the, the crowd that we, we draw is a pretty, uh, let's just say fun loving, (laughs) sometimes fun loving to a fault. Yes. Uh, but it, it, that's, and that's, I think part of this, the success is this, the, the musical escapism that it does bring. And, you know, there's nostalgia for people that are kind of my age and older. And then for mm-hmm. the younger kids, they just kind of latch on to the kitsch and the, uh, you know, yeah. it's just fun stuff. Well, I think creative loafing, uh, gave you guys an award a few years back. It was the yeah. uh, best band to get drunk with your dad. Exactly. And that's, I think that's still, now it's going to be like, uh, <laughs> 11 years later, best, uh, Get drunk with your dad and your grandson. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy stuff. And um, you know, most guys are. We, a lot of people just do music for fun, or it's like beer and gear. But like, you know, if you've got a good concept and you know how to market it, and you yeah. you have the talent behind you, you know, you can turn this into a career where your band, you know, contributes to your four hundred one k. And, you know, 100, 100. And the other thing is, is, uh, you know, you see people, you know, they're, 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 they're gretzing. Uh, I'll keep my, keep my language (laughs) clean here. Um, You know, it's like no one comes to see my, you know, when you get older to like my age and you're, you're, you're angry that no one's coming to see your original band on a Monday night. It's just, it's just not, I think one of the things that this band has done, and and again, granted we did once we got it up and running it it was run really really well mm-hmm. but we before we we're kind of floating what we kind of accidentally did a couple things one we figured how to get people who were maybe empty nesters or older out on a yeah. on a thursday i mean mm-hmm. we that was huge people who had you know teenagers have their discretionary income and then you have people that are in their you know maybe 20s 30s maybe 40s that are raising kids and can't really don't have the time maybe not the finances but we found to get those how to get those people out Mm-hmm. The other thing that it that we did kind of you know un uh, unplanned is just the the inherent snob appeal of yacht rock review. Yeah. We're going to be the band that's going to play your rich fiftieth birthday party at your house. So you, we're going to yeah. play that. We're going to play the country club. So we kind of 
just by the name, we've associated ourselves with kind of, um, you know, more, um, affluent, affluent, uh, audience, which, yeah. which kind of contributed to the whole, uh, success of the, the project. Well, and it's funny cause from the outside, like having Yacht Rock play your event is a status symbol in the market. It, 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 it has kind of gotten to the end or a wedding. I mean, we do, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that we play a lot of weddings, but we're not a wedding band per se, right. but we're, we are hired because we're Yacht Rock Review. It's not, we're just some random, which, you know, and, and I'm not going to believe me, some of those the wedding bands make a lot more than we do. Yeah. But um, it, it's, you know, the people who look down their nose at being, oh, you play weddings. It's like, yeah, well, see how much we get paid. Yeah. And we still get to, we still, then we still sell out theaters. So it's, it's, it's a good balance. Well, the other thing I think that you guys have done really well is that you have, you know, you kind of alluded to it with the, the purist giving you grief for the kind of material that you do, but you guys just don't, you don't play the same set over and over again. You have Never. kind of generated Never. these events yeah. and these uh, special concerts that you do throughout the year um, that are interesting and unique that bring people out. Right. So if you go and see, you know, a regular Yacht Rock Review show, yeah, you're going to see them do, you know, you're going to see them do Michael McDonald and, you know, Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan and Pablo Cruz. But then two weeks later, you can go and see them at a different venue and they're going right. to play, like you were saying, rock fights. We'll do Led Zeppelin versus who we just did. The, my favorite new one that we're doing is we do the talking heads, basically the whole, um, stop making, stop sense. making sense. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just so much freaking fun. I, I saw David Byrne a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Fox and that was just, that just kind of, you know, just, just, uh, just fueled the fire to do that again. I think yeah. we're doing it again in next early next year. So the other February, ones, maybe. the other ones that you guys do, you do the holiday event, which I'm pretty sure it's at the Roxy this year. I'm pretty sure it's it close to selling the, out. I um, think yeah, that's that's gonna be. We haven't played that venue yet. Let me let me get my, my <laughs> facts straight here. If I'm gonna promote, I got to do while it you're, right. While you're looking up your Rolodex, um, you guys do Purple Rain. Yes, a couple times year. throughout the year. Mm -hmm. uh, you do no. Thriller on Halloween. We didn't do it this year. That this okay. is the first year we haven't done it. We did a few songs from Thriller, but we were kind of like uh, we wanted to change it up a little bit because we've done we've been doing Thriller not as longer than we've been doing Yacht Rock, but about as long. So we we decided to mix it up a little bit. So, so uh, go ahead. I got to do one of the um, the Variety Playhouse gigs. You guys had decided to hire a chorus, and so that's we, right. That was the the year that you did Purple Rain and then Thriller. Right, uh, did those back to back with an intermission. Yeah, we did uh, um, Man in the Mirror with the with the big old choir and a yeah. lot of the other songs too. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a really fun night. So December fifteenth so, at the uh, Roxy up there by the ball field up by SunTrust. Yeah, the new SunTrust Park. Yeah. There's a the the Coca Cola Roxy Theater is a gorgeous new venue, and don't get it confused with the old Roxy, which is now the Buckhead, the Buckhead Theater. Theater so which you guys can, played there what a week ago? Yeah, for our for our <laughs> Halloween, I I did my um I tried to be Captain Spaulding mm -hmm. from um, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, but I ended up looking more like the uh, old dancing guy in the old Six Flags commercial. Love it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I think gives you guys legs is that, you know, you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, um, it doesn't get it, boring. Believe me. Jeez. Yeah. I felt like every time we were doing, I, I would do a gig is I, I'd get, you know, a, a list of 12 or 14 more songs yeah. that I haven't, I'd never done before. So, right. um, you know, you guys have managed to take, take a concept that was very loosely, you know, established and right. kind of, you know, build your own way around it. So. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of in the cultural 
mindset, whether you know it was in the forefront or kind of subliminal, you know, uh, kind of subconscious. But I think we, you know, we kind of. And the other thing that I think that we, well, the one thing that I think that makes us different than pretty much any other cover band in the world is the fact that we regularly play with the original artists as not, yes. not like have not opening for them. Like literally they're, we're backing them up. It's kind of like being a side guy in reverse because we're paying <laughs> the star instead of the other way around, which I think right. is just amazing. Yeah. So, um, one of the, 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 I guess the pinnacle of the, of the Yacht Rock year um, is a is an event you guys do towards the end of the summer called yep. the Yacht Rock Revival. The Yacht Rock Revival, the greatest Yacht Rock Revival in the universe. And it, no, it always no is. No hyperbole there. It, it, no. Hey, as far as I know, it is. So, um, and, and what they've actually been able to do um, is, like Mark said, you'll, you'll get to go to this concert and see, you know, the original artists that made these songs right. famous and they, you know, do, do a guest spot. Um, that's how <laughs> I met Robbie Dupree, who has been one of our closest, uh, friends in that whole, he, in fact, we just played with him up in Boston last week. He came out and did yeah, I saw that. a few songs with us, which was great. I, I was on Facebook one day and I had posted something and Robbie had liked it. And a friend of mine DM'd me a few minutes later. He's like, is that Robbie Dupree? Like Robbie He's, Dupree, Robbie Dupree. I'm like, yeah, that is the Robbie Dupree. Yeah. We, we were just, we were kind of reminiscing when we first met him. Haha, <laughs> Reminiscing. We, Oh, there you go. See, look at that. This is why you get paid the big bucks. Little this River. Why you're a radio personality. That's right. Um, we, yeah, I can't remember. Was it the engine room? I can't remember the something room. It was some place up in New York. That's the first time we met him. And mm -hmm. it, that, I think he was one of the earliest guys that we played. Maybe the first guy was Walter Egan that yeah. played with us up in Nashville. But it, there is something to be said that when you're playing a song that you've played, you know, for a few years at that point, and that voice, that exact voice, comes you know you hear that in your monitor is like wow, wow that's really yeah. something so I've, I've got kind of a running list of the guys that i know that you guys have played with sure um so robbie dupree of course walter yep. egan you would also mention yep. uh bobby kimball bobby kimball from yeah, bobby Kimble was very he was a very interesting personality <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> There's a reason why he's not in Toto anymore. Yeah, you know uh, what? I, well, let's. He was he was actually a really really cool guy to hang out with. So that's cool. Uh, Jeff Carlisi. Jeff Carlisi, who uh, we actually knew from Nick was running um, a the summer camp uh, camp jam mm -hmm. before this kind of wouldn't have started, and we got to be really good friends with uh, with Carlisi, and he's been kind of a mentor figure to us over the last few years. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh, Elliot Lurie, who's yeah. one of my favorites who's had a great recent success getting placements and everything from, um, God, it was well, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, yep. and, and it was in some, uh, um, Ozark, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? Eddie Money. Eddie Money. Steve Ogera, who was the former vocalist for Journey. Ogeri. Ogera. Ogera. Yeah, he's a, another great guy. And we did a whole Journey set about two or three years ago, which was, you know, Talk about challenging guitar parts. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no there's no phone in those in. No, I'm trying to think of some other. I mean, there's there's probably do, uh, well, the guys from Player. The guys, yeah, the guys from Player. Uh, Peter Beckett, we still play with quite a bit. Um, geez, let me just kind of think who else comes out. Um, we played with uh, Al Stewart. We did Year of the Cat in L.A. one year, and that was just mm -hmm. that when his. Because we didn't rehearse with him, we just played the show. And like when he came in, and the morning of the, like that voice just made the hair on my you know arm just stand up. I was just like, wow, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you guys have 
paved your own way in, in a, in a super unique fashion. Yeah. And I just, you know, for, for guys, you know, some, you know, some of these guys are slinging it out in the clubs and they're trying to look, you know, how to, how do I get to the next level? I mean, you guys are kind of the blueprint for, you know, if, if, if you've got a good idea and no one else thinks it, you know, it, it should exist, you should, you know, you should pursue it. Cause I mean, in all, you know, in all reality, the sky is the limit. I mean, you it, guys it, are still breaking into new markets. Yeah. You're still, yep. there's no, it's not plateaued in any way. No. And that's, that's just, it's kind of amazing and kind of frightening at the, the same way. But if I could be, you know, if I could be old man Donnell's and give any advice, I would oh, say, you know, um, be consistent. I think that's a lot of these bands and it's, and it's, it's the older you get, the harder it is to keep a consistent band because people have other responsibilities, Yeah, but to, to try to be as consistent, play regularly. I mean, if you can get up, like I said before, if you can get a house gig somewhere for a mm-hmm. month, that's great. And, you know, but then you're running, you know, you run the risk of playing too much, not yep. playing enough. That's so it, you got to find that balance. But I really think it's consistency that you can't, you know, you can't have a night where you're just terrible. I mean, you can have bad nights. Everyone has bad nights, but sure. it's got to be, you know, at least at a certain level, um, and find something unique. And yeah, and this goes for original stuff too. I mean, look, I, I went through the same thing when I was 21. I was like, I'm an amazing guitar player. Everyone's going to come see me. I'm so great. Nobody gives a damn, you know, you, yeah. you have to, you have to make something compelling that people want to go see. If you are not putting, as they say, asses in the seats, then it's just, you know, yes, some bands have gotten deals out of the blue, and they might have been successful, but if you, unless you build a ground grassroots like kind of ground swelling thing, it's the chance of it lasting are almost nil. Yeah, it, it really has to have some legs. So that's that. And again, that goes for the original bands. Put asses in seats, and they will find you. Period. It's true. That's you know they will people will come out and seek you out when they hear that buzz happening. Good stuff, man. Um, I want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule. Sure. Uh, you, are, you guys are. What do you have coming up this weekend? I'm just going back to sleep, man. This love it. I've had enough. It's yeah. It's, my God. It's a day after it's Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. I actually had a really mellow Halloween, which it was very nice. We uh, had a we. You know, we got kids, so you know, we we have deemed ourselves the headquarters for trick or treating. So it's good to have that kind of yeah. I, I the the last we're usually out of town or playing or something. I was actually off last night, and I haven't done the trick or treat thing. So the, I'm probably the weird old man with the cats. That that's um, everyone gets freaked out by, but that's okay. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> so let's see what's coming up here. Oh goodness! So tonight, which will probably be a few days ago when anyone ever hears this, yep. we're doing our 11th anniversary at Venkman's. And I have to give a plug to Venkman's, which is the venue owned by both Nick Nespajani and Pete Olson, two of the guys in the band, the two front guys. Mm-hmm. They've been running a very successful music venue and restaurant, which there's not many, if any, places in Atlanta that kind of you know. Uh, do each equally well. Yeah. And that's over there in old fourth ward. We, um, uh, we have definitely uh, pumped up Bankman's cause it's one yeah. of members only member only members only's uh, main it venues. Is. And they're getting, you know, they're getting, uh, they are keeping a lot of, they're keeping a lot of our friends employed, which is, which it's is true. awesome. Um, we're going to be doing a Northeast tour in the second week of November. We're going up to Jersey and Irving Plaza up in New York, the Hamilton and DC, which are some favorite places. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of anything in Atlanta. Though this is this is uh, this is international. To listen to, I can I can. Mention yeah, we've things. got a couple Swedish uh, <laughs> Swedish listeners, a couple oh, Canadians. Excellent, cool. Uh, speaking of Sweden, I love Ghost. As yeah, we've, we've talked before. Indeed, uh, we have. 
uh, Turkey Eve, I think we're playing. I think that's going to be at Bankman's. Um, and then again, we have the Christmas show, the 15th of December at the Roxy. And then I think we're doing our traditional Yacht Rock New Year's Eve at the Park Tavern. That's always a beautiful mess. So Yes. <laughs> we went, I think the last time we went, it wasn't last year, it was the year before. And, you know, having connections with Please Rock does have its perks. I, we, yeah. we always get in for free. But I think it, you guys hadn't even started yet, and it was just yeah, it's, it's it was nuts. bad. Yeah, you know, it's an all it's one of those all inclusive deals where right. like you can just. But the thing that was crazy is that people were showing up hammered oh, to well, a place that had unlimited booze. <laughs> like, come on, not, guys, not our problem. No, it is not your problem. <laughs> until it loadout. did used to be when before they finally gave us a dressing room and a and a bathroom, but now it's kind of like you know, hey, I mean. As long as people don't, there's always that one girl at the end of the night who, you know, she's walking around with one shoe going, I can't find my friend. (laughs) And that's like, oh man, it's like, yeah, it's. And you're trying, yeah, you're, you're trying to push your cart around her. Night of the living drunks. But hey, it's, it's New Year's Eve. That's what you. It's a living, man. It's, that's what you got to do. All right, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming back on or coming on in the first place. Um, You know. I value your uh, input as a musician and as a friend. Thank you. And very I think much. that um, I think that our listeners will really uh, enjoy this conversation. I hope so. Yeah. And if you know there's um, anything else I can do for you, paint Maybe your house. We'll, yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Let's do it. <laughs> Let me. Know. Uh, we'll have to touch base later on. Sure. All right, dude. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.